also love getting to work with college students. This is my full-time job, this is my passion, this is actually my dream job. If you ask me what do I wanna do, this is the number one answer I'd give is to work with you all. Because I think God made me, I think the way I was wired was to be the Chi Alpha pastor here at you and I. I feel like this is why I was made and put on this planet. Luckily for me though, I don't have to work alone. I'm blessed enough to have some amazing team members. Also on our staff team is Katie Boldy, who was over here singing earlier. Also there's Casey Griffin, who was just up here talking, and her husband John was on the drums. And we also have three incredible interns on our team, Victor Martinez, Chloe Mundy, and Lexi Bartell. Let's give a round of applause to the interns, come on. They are all incredible, and everyone on our team has devoted our lives to you. We want to help you grow closer to Jesus, and we just want to be your friend. Really, our main goals in life is to help you become the best version of yourself that you can be. We're all here for you. I'm so excited for you guys to get to meet them over the next few weeks, because like I said, they're incredible, and I think you can develop some really cool friends with them. See, our staff team, we love Chi Alpha. We bleed Chi Alpha, and that's not because we think Chi Alpha is the best ministry in the world, or we think it's perfect by any means, because it is not, I promise you. I'm in charge, so it's not perfect. However, we love Chi Alpha because all of us had our lives radically changed because of this ministry right here. See, every person who's on our team was a student at UNI, and we all came in, and none of us really had a real relationship with Jesus. And then we came here, and through Chi Alpha, we found the real Jesus. We found our best friends on the planet. Most of us found our spouses here in Chi Alpha. So if you're single and ready to mingle, this is the place to be. Come on. Not that we're gonna set you up. If you wanna be single and not mingle, that's okay too. We love that as well. Theodore, thanks for the clap. Come on. So you can mingle, you don't have to mingle. You're free to do what you want. But if you want, you might find your spouse. But I can't promise that because then I can get in trouble if that doesn't work out for you. So like I said, we love Chi Alpha, and it's because Chi Alpha is the place where we encountered Jesus for the first time, really, and we wouldn't be here without this. That's why we just love this place so much. I fully believe that every single one of you, six feet apart, nice and socially distanced, is here not by accident. I think every single person who's in this room was supposed to be here tonight, and I think God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of you that's in these chairs. If you were wondering whether or not you're supposed to come and then you somehow your friend urged you or something like that, I think it was a good reason. I think God is gonna do incredible things. So thank you for being obedient enough to come here. Maybe you heard about Kyle on social media. Maybe you came to our party for the free chicken a couple nights ago. Come on, somebody. We love that. Let's go. Maybe you went there looking for just chicken and someone roped you into being here tonight. Maybe one of our older students has been like stalking you and like they saw you walking around in the bushes and they kind of ran out and said, hi, welcome to Chi Alpha. My name is John. I'd like to be your friend. That may have happened. If they did that, I'm sorry. That's not my fault. Don't blame me for their actions. I'm just kidding. We love our older students. We love our leaders here. Like I said, I think you're here on purpose and God wants to do something in your life. And I think that's because God wants your time in college to be more than just homework, classes, and getting a degree. He wants more for you. Before we jump into it tonight, I would like to start off by sharing my story. I feel like too many times people come up here and we're supposed to listen to them, but we don't actually know them. And I want you all to know me. I want you all to know that I'm a very flawed person that has made a lot of mistakes in my life. But by the grace of God, I get to be here with you all. See, growing up, my parents, they did not follow Jesus. My dad was like a wannabe 70s rock star with a mullet, 
I think he wore Air Jordans to his wedding. And when him and my mom met, they had multiple children from multiple different spouses. They had not made wise choices growing up. Then they got married, they had me, and when I was about four months old, my mom and I were driving home from celebrating Easter, and we got into a car accident. See, what happened was, is my mom had had too much to drink that evening, and she fell asleep at the wheel and flipped our car. My mom was then flung out the front window, and she ended up breaking her neck. I, however, was a four-month-old baby. Infants are really tiny. And I was in the back, and my car seat was facing forward. If you know anything about kids, that's a no-no. Car seat's supposed to face backwards, but I was facing forwards. And in the back seat with me were like crock pots and cases of soda. So with a flipping car, if any of those heavy things would have hit me, I probably would have died. However, the seatbelt on my car seat broke, so my car seat flipped over, and all those, those flying things at the back of it. So I ended up without a scratch. Like I said, though, my mom wasn't quite as lucky, and she ended up breaking her neck. So eventually my mom had to go have surgery, and the front desk lady at the doctor's office was a pastor's wife. That woman shared the love of Jesus with my family, and with my mom specifically, and eventually everyone in my family decided to follow Jesus. So for me, all I've ever known is going to church and being a church kid because all this crazy stuff happened before I was even a year old. If you grew up in church, I think you understand that the next thing I'm gonna say is very correct. There's some very good things about growing up in church, but there can also be some negative things. For me, I always knew God loved me, which is a great thing, but I also thought that as long as I didn't do these big sins, God and I would be good. So I played bass on the worship team. I went to youth group. I didn't party. I didn't do unwise things with girls, so I thought everything was okay. However, while doing this, I kind of built like a pedestal for myself. Like imagine the Olympics and they get on top and they, they are, think they're better than everyone else. I had done that because I hadn't partied or went out and got drunk. So I kind of built this pedestal because I didn't have outward sins, so I thought I was better than the people around me. I thought that I had earned God's love. He had not given it to me. I had earned it because I hadn't broken his rules. I was the good church kid. And this huge pride issue continually grew larger and larger as I went through middle and high school. No longer was it about God's love, but instead it was about my obedience and my actions. And this all came crashing down when I was a senior in high school. For many of you, that was not too long ago. For me as a senior, I started my first real relationship with this girl who did not follow Jesus and together made very poor choices. We didn't honor God with our sexual boundaries and just did things that I really regretted. So when I did that, I kind of, this pedestal I'd built came crumbling down. No longer was I perfect. No longer had I earned God's love. I wasn't the good church kid anymore. Also during this time, I was getting ready to go to Bible college, which is just like a college to learn how to be a pastor. I wanted to be a specifically a music pastor. So as I'm getting ready to go to Bible college, I figured, you know what might be smart? I should start reading my Bible. And I did that. If I'm honest with you guys, I'm going to be honest with you guys a lot. I didn't do that to try to grow closer to Jesus. I started reading my Bible because I didn't want to look like an idiot around all the other smart Christians. So I'm like, I better open this sucker up because I hear the stories of Moses and Jonah and Noah, and I don't know which one's which, and I get these guys confused. I think Peter denied him and, or he chopped off someone's ear. I don't really know what actually happened. So I had to learn some things. But again, pride was my driving force, not the love of God. So in August of 2015, all these things came to a collision course. As I got ready to move to Minnesota for college, this relationship I was in was getting worse and worse, and I knew something had to give as I started reading my Bible. 
So I ended the relationship with my girlfriend before I left for college, and I set off for college on a mission. And again, I'm gonna be real with you, I was not on a mission to learn and grow and get good grades and to be a good follower of Jesus, like I hope many of you are. But instead, I was on a mission to find my soulmate. Like I just got out of a relationship, I'm about to go find Mrs. Wright, because I'm going to Christian college, and that's where all the good Christian girls are, so I'm about to meet my lady. That was me. I thought that was the place that I could find my soulmate. Also during that fall semester, so my freshman year, during that fall semester, my brother Daniel, who was the pastor of our home church, sent church, and he also used to be the, he had my job before I did. So my brother Daniel came back and restarted Chi Alpha here at UNI in 2015. Him and his wife moved here to grow this ministry, and as they got to UNI, they met this junior named Taylor. See, my brother knew that I was up in Minnesota, all sad and lonely, because he knew I'd have no chance of winning a girl on my own, so we had this student, Taylor, message me, and he used her. Oh, he's, he's a brat. He had her message me and say, hey, Derek, my name's Taylor. I heard you're Daniel's brother. You should come to this fall retreat thing for Chi Alpha. What fall retreat is is just this incredible weekend when Chi Alpha students across the state. We all come together. We worship God. We have so much fun. I won't talk too much about that because we'll start talking about that in a few weeks. But anyways, I got that message, and I'm like, yeah, I'll come to fall retreat. Again, it wasn't because of Jesus. It was because I thought Taylor was pretty cute. I'm like, hey, maybe I'll meet her. So I decided to come to this retreat. And not at this retreat, not only did I meet my future wife, but I also saw God moving in an incredibly powerful way. I saw one student in particular who came into this retreat, and he came in so angry and cynical, and he was a grump. And he came out a changed person, and God had done something in his life, and God had broken addictions off his life. He threw his pot away when he got home. And I'm like, this is crazy. I've never seen God do this before. And that kind of changed some things in me. See, my story is not one of a single moment. I never woke up and had an epiphany. I'm like, yes, I got it now. I never hit this rock bottom that we hear about. What happened is at this retreat, God opened my eyes and he opened my heart to see that I am very, very flawed, but also more loved than I could ever imagine. As I started reading my Bible more and developing a real devotional life with Jesus, where I spent time with him every single day, I began to realize that I did not have to earn God's love. He loves me so much, even though I make mistakes every day. God had grace for me and just wanted to get closer to me. He just wanted more for my life than just following rules to try to earn his approval and to try to earn my get out of hell free card. God had more for my life, and I believe God has more for yours. God did not owe me anything because I chose not to party. Instead, his grace was something that I did not deserve, but he simply gave to me because he loved me. And I believe many of us in this room are like I was as a freshman. See, I think we all have a tendency to fall into one of two traps. Maybe you're in here tonight and you're at your rock bottom. Maybe you've been running from Jesus. Maybe you followed him for a while, but then in high school or your early college years, you kind of started to drift away. Maybe you've started to party more and more. Maybe you were like I was, and you're in a relationship where you guys do not honor God's design for sexual relationships, and you're making mistakes every day. Maybe you've never been to church in your life, and you just got drugged here after trying to get a free chicken sandwich. I apologize that you got roped in by the chicken, but clearly it worked. I'm just kidding. We just give the chicken because we love you. <laughs> but maybe you've never been to church before, and you have no idea who this Jesus guy is or why you should really care about him, why he matters. Maybe... Just maybe you decided long ago that you don't think that Jesus guy is actually real and that this is all a facade. I also know that there are some of you in this room 
and you've been putting on a facade. You're also like I was. You go to church, you look good to the outsiders, you don't make any of these huge sin mistakes, but inside there's a lot of pain, struggle, sin, pride, and if you're honest with yourself, you don't feel connected to Jesus anymore. You've never told anyone about all these hurts and struggles. Maybe your relationship with him, with Jesus, is all about rule following. Maybe you become judgmental to the people around you. We're in a crazy time. Just look around. There's stickers on like 90% of these seats. So when I started working for Chi Alpha, there, we were told there's 800 seats in here. So I'm like, oh, okay, God's gonna have to do something real crazy to get this auditorium full. Little did I know. We'd have the same number of students, but less seats. I was kind of hoping God would do the opposite, but that's okay. We're thankful to be here anyways. This is the start of a new school year. We're in the middle of COVID-19. We have new rules, and for many of you, you're starting your college journey. We have so many questions about the future. For many of you, you're still mourning the loss of your senior year of high school. I just want to say I'm sorry you lost a lot of the special things of senior year. I really am. That stinks. I'm sorry you didn't get that. We're in a time where we have more questions than answers. We're in a season where a lot of church has gone online, we haven't seen our friends, and we've been in isolation. And there's so much hate in this world. Maybe you're lonely. Maybe you've let sin creep into your life over quarantine. Maybe you're letting all this conflict and hate in the world get to you. We are bombarded by political agendas, conspiracy theories, and again, a lot of questions. No matter where you're coming from tonight, I believe that God has something to say to you. See, we've been, we're starting this sermon series, and really it's a theme for the whole semester tonight. It's entitled, Ready for More. This is specifically entitled, Ready for More, More of Jesus. I believe that God wants to do more in your life this semester. He wants to do more in Chi Alpha. He wants to do more at UNI. And most importantly, he wants to do more in our world. We've been crying out to God amidst the craziest season in our lives. We're saying, this is not working, God that we need something else, that we're crying out to Jesus amidst COVID-19, amidst racial injustice, and amidst hurricanes in Iowa. Come on, somebody. How do we have hurricanes now? Things are getting a little crazy. And we're saying, God, we need something else. Please, no more hurricanes, for the love of God. We need hope. We need saving. We need community. We are ready for more, more of Jesus. Tonight, we're going to talk about a story that Jesus tells in the Bible to give you a little background, when Jesus was sharing this story, he was surrounded by two groups of people. The first group of people was what they would call tax collectors or sinners. So these were like the scum of the earth, the lowest of the low, and I promised I wasn't gonna make this joke, but I'm doing it anyways. They were even worse than Dallas Cowboys fans. I got like one last, I hate the Cowboys, I'm sorry. Anyways, so there's the scum of the earth. The other group of people that Jesus is talking to is what they called Pharisees. So Pharisees were like the super religious people at the time. They knew all the rules, they knew all the regulations, they followed the law to a T, and then they taught other people around us. So Jesus is surrounded by the sinners and tax collectors and the Pharisees. Jesus is sitting here and he starts to share a story, and he shares the first story, which is about a shepherd who has 100 sheep and he loses one, so he leaves his 99 to go and find the one. And then Jesus goes on to share a story about a woman who lost one of her coins and she sweeps her house up and down trying to find that coin. And then we get to the third story, which is the story we're gonna focus on tonight, which is a story about two sons and their father. This story is in Luke chapter 15. Luke is in the New Testament, which is kind of like the second section of the Bible. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. Luke is also one of the four books in the Bible that are about Jesus' life. We call those the Gospels. If you're trying to start reading your Bible, 
My challenge for you is to start with either Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, because then you can learn about Jesus and how cool he is. If you have your Bible and you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 15, that would be wonderful. But if you do not have a Bible, guess what? That's a-okay, because we've got Bibles upon Bibles upon Bibles. There's some up there, there's some over there, there's some in that table, there's some in that table, and there's some of that table up there. So if you don't have a Bible, or if you don't like your Bible and it's kind of smelly, and you got it when you're 12, you can get a new one on us, because we love you, and we want you to read the Word of God. Anyways, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. These verses will also be on the screen to help you, oh, they're already up there, she's quick. I'm going to pray really quick, though, before we read this. Jesus, I thank you so much for every person in this auditorium. God, I pray that you move and you speak to everyone in this room to know that they are so loved by you. We love you so much, Jesus. Amen. All right, Luke 15, verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Hold up. This son just asked his dad for his inheritance. That is the same thing as wishing your dad dead because in order to get your inheritance, your dad has to die. So he's saying, dad, I don't really care about you. I just want your money and your stuff. Now that's bad. Like in 2020, that would be bad. Back then, this was much worse. The audience that Jesus is sharing this story with would have been shocked. Like when I said that, they'd have been like, you guys are like, They would have given that dad the right to disown and even maybe kill his son for saying that. But instead of disowning or being mad at his son, the father grants his request. He gives him his inheritance. Not only is he blessing his son's rude request, he's also losing part of his money because to give him his inheritance, he has to take from his money. So he's giving his money. He's paying his son to disrespect him. Verse 13, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Not only had this son disrespected his father, now he blew all the money. He has wasted the money he was given, and now he's hungry, and he's rolling around with the pigs. He's literally rolling around in the mud of his mistakes. Verse 17 says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. He has this genius idea. He's like, my father's servants, they're not hungry. They're doing okay. Maybe I should go to my dad and I should ask him, father, can I work to pay off my debt to you and try to get back in good standing? He also gets this nice little speech prepared because he knows he's swimming up creek without a paddle. He's like, if I say the right words, maybe this will work. I don't know if any of you have ever done this, but I've done that before where I'm going to go ask something that I know I'm probably not going to get a good answer, so I get a nice little speech prepared. And if I'm being real with you guys, the time that most happened was probably ninth to 10th grade when I was trying to pick up a girl. And I'm like, okay, I'm not very handsome. I am not buff. I cannot grow facial hair yet. What can I do? I will say the right words, and then she will be seduced. Sorry, I probably shouldn't say seduced. That's kind of a weird word. Anyways, so I'd go up and like, hey, yo, girl, can I get your digits? And they'd be like, no, you may not. Thank you. Go away. And that was that. So I got a nice little speech prepared, and it didn't work. I don't know if any of you guys have ever done that before, but this son did. Verse 20 says, and he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. Again, this was unheard of in this time. They lived in a society where the man was the head of the house and they were to be honored. 
This father disregards his honor and he runs. Men in this time simply did not run, let alone pick up their robe and start running after their son that had just said, I wish you were dead. That would not happen in this time. But he loves his son, and he does not worry about his appearance, but, his appearance, but instead just worries about loving on him. Before the son even gets his little speech out, the father has come to him and embraces him. He does not wait for his son to try and win him over. While he's a long ways off, the father runs to the son. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father interrupts him, and he said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate, for that this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. All right, one thing I want you guys to get tonight is no matter what you've done, the Father loves you and will run to you. No matter what you've done, the Father loves you and he will run to you. The Father loves his son even though he left him. Even though the younger son disgraced his father and did not obey him, he forgave him. This story is just imagery for our relationship with Jesus. God is the father in this story, and we are his sons. No matter what sins we commit, the father loves us, and he wants a relationship with us. Just like the son in this story, if we turn towards God, he's going to run after us. He will not wait for us to come to him. He'll come to us. He doesn't make you earn your way back into his life. No, as soon as we come back to him, he gets his best robe, his best ring, and he covers our sins with his honor. He has so much grace for you and I, and that when we mess up, all we need to do is turn back to him. If you don't learn anything tonight, and if you never come back to Kyle, I want you to remember one thing. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves each and every one of you so much, no matter what mistakes you've made, no matter what decisions you regret, Jesus loves you all so, so much. He wants to be with you. Some of us have been like the younger brother. Maybe you've been running from Jesus. Maybe you said, I don't need him anymore. I can control and run my own life. When we try to run our own lives, we tend to end up with the pigs. I've learned that I'm not good enough to run my own life. I need Jesus because when I run things, I just make a mess of things. Just like this younger brother, I tend to squander my property when I'm not with my father. When I tried to do what I wanted and not let Jesus in, I ended up in a relationship that made me have regrets still to this day. And I made mistakes that I so deeply regret. My biggest regrets in life come from times when I've tried to run from God and control my own life. I think the most beautiful part about this story, though, is that when the son gets to his father, he embraces him and kisses him before he even gets his little speech out. For us tonight, you don't have to fix everything. God is not looking at you and saying, you need to clean it up. He's not on a hill saying, all right, clean up your act, quit doing those sins, and then in six to eight months, you can come to me and we'll see what happens. No, he's just waiting for you to turn around. All he's waiting for you to do is turn around and to start a journey of trying to get closer to him because he wants to help you get there. We do not have to clean up first. All you need to do tonight is turn back to your father and ask him to be your father again. So if you are like the younger brother tonight, the father is at your door knocking and begging you saying, please, my son, my daughter, please come home. He's asking you to recommit, or maybe for the first time, commit your life to him. Maybe that'll look like you getting plugged into Chi Alpha and finding a small group. We'll talk more about small groups in the next few weeks, but I promise you, if you want your life changed for the better, and if you want to make the best friends on the planet, go to a small group. Outside of deciding to follow Jesus and marrying my wife, Taylor, way above buying my dumb dog, 
the best decision I've ever made is going to a small group. I promise you, try it once, you won't regret it. Find a community of Jesus followers, whether that's in Chi Alpha or that's a different group. If you wanna go to a different community of Jesus followers, that's okay, I still love you. We can still hang out. But no matter where you go, dive all in. I promise you that you will not regret this. Jesus, give him back the keys to your life. Make your time in college a time where you ran after God, not where you ran away from God. And if you do that, I promise you, when you're graduated, you'll be very happy that you did. The story does not end here, though. The story goes on to talk about the older son of the father, and this is in verse 25 of Luke 15. Now his older son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked, what do these things mean? And he said to him, your brother has come. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he's received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. Again, note, the father comes out to the son. The son doesn't go to the father. His son had disrespected him. This father was throwing probably the biggest party of his entire life and his own son won't come. Again, this would have been okay if he disowned him, got mad at him, kicked him out. But the father doesn't do that. And said, the father comes right after him. Verse 29. But he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you, I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And then the story ends. We don't know what the older brother does. We don't know if he comes back into the party or if he sits outside. All we do know is that the older brother is angry with his dad. He's worked for his father for many years. He'd never disobeyed him. He'd done all the right things. And now his father celebrating the other son who had abandoned them. The older brother thought that he deserved a party. He'd earned the fattened calf, but his dad's giving it to the other son. Another thing I think you should remember tonight is this, that following Jesus is not about earning his love but instead about enjoying his grace. Following Jesus is not about earning his love, but enjoying his grace. The older son will not go into his father's party because he's angry. He thought he had earned this. This feeling inside of him keeps him away from celebrating with his father and brother. He's missing out on a great party because his pride will not let him celebrate his brother coming home. The older brother, listen to this. The older brother is not left out of the party because of his disobedience, but rather he's not in the party because he's so prideful in his goodness. He has so much pride in his moral record, in his rule following, that he has created a barrier between him and his father. His father didn't create that barrier. See, both sons only love the father for what they can get out of him. The difference is the younger son was just honest about it. He just is outright and said, yo, I just want your cash, and then I'm bouncing. The older son thought, if I'm sneaky and just work hard, then I'll get his cash. Neither son loved the father because of who he was, but just because of what he had to give them. This is my story. I was the older brother. I didn't grow up serving God because I loved him so much, and I was so thankful that he died for my sins. No, I served God to put him in my debt. If I obeyed his rules, he owed me a good life. I thought that since I had sinned less than the people around me, I deserved his blessing. I didn't read my Bible and I didn't spend daily time with God because that did not earn me anything. 
See, I went to church and I played on a worship team because that made me look like a good Christian and it checked off the right boxes. It was all a transaction. I obey, therefore I receive a good life because I am better than other people. I did my weekly obligation. I went to church so God and I were good. And this was just so much pride. For me, whenever something didn't go my way, I'll be honest, I was really mad at God. I'm like, I had earned this. I deserve this because I didn't disobey you. So here's kind of a funny, sad story. I don't know which camp it goes in. So I come home from a baseball game, and, okay, this is sound bad. My, my dog is on the highway dead. Not Cap, a different dog. Anyways, yeah, that's the sad part. That's the dreary part. It gets better. Eh, not really. Anyways, so I see my dog dead. I'm obviously devastated. I'm eight years old, and I come inside. I run to the basement. I jump on my couch, and I start yelling, why, God, Why? I'm a good church kid. How dare you kill my dog? It was not God's fault my dog died. My dog was an idiot. He ran out onto a highway in front of a semi. That's not because of my disobedience or God being mad at me. That's because my dog ran away and was terrible. So I decided to buy the same kind of dog. That was smart. I think many of us in this room tonight are like me and the older brother. Maybe you go to church. Maybe you went to youth group. Maybe you come to Chi Alpha. Obviously, you do. you're here. But instead of it being about God and how incredible he is, you obey him because it's about you and you want to deserve a good life. See, Tim Keller is an author. In his book, The Prodigal God, really illustrates this story so well. He has a quote about older brothers that I want to read to you. In the same way, religious people commonly live very moral lives, but their goal is to get leverage over God, to control him, to put him in a position where they think he owes them. If, like the elder brother, you believe God ought to bless you and help you because you have worked so hard to obey him and be a good person, then Jesus may be your helper, your example, even your inspiration, but he is not your savior. Those of us who struggle to get prideful over our morality, our church attendance, and our good deeds tend to not obey God to get more of God, but instead to get the things that God has to offer. If that is you tonight, first off, I get it. That was my story. But I beg you, turn from your pride. For me, living life like this was not fun at all. I was constantly miserable, and I was stressed, and I was never content. There felt like a gaping hole inside of me, and I couldn't fill it. I did not find contentment and fulfillment in my life, and so I stopped being prideful over my accomplishments and instead started to spend time with Jesus every single day. That was the only thing that would fulfill me. See, this is not just... This isn't an excuse to abandon all principle and to say, okay, I don't have to earn God's love, so I don't have to try that hard so I can go out and start partying and get drunk and sleep around, because guess what? That won't satisfy either. Try those things too, and they do not work. The only thing that is going to bring satisfaction into your life, and I promise you this, is spending time with God every day and being all in for your creator. Nothing else is good enough to satisfy you. Nothing else is big enough to fill a God-sized hole in your life. There's one thing that this story is, and that the story is missing. It has the younger brother who runs from God. It has the older brother who's angry with this brother and prideful, but it doesn't tell the story of the true older brother. The brother who, instead of getting angry when his brother comes back, he runs after his brother right after he leaves. See, a good older brother, when his younger brother tried to run away, he would go get him and say, brother, whatever you need, I'll give you my inheritance. Please just don't ruin your life. That's what a true older brother would do. He would offer to give up everything to help his brother live. But although this story does not have a true older brother, we all do. 
Jesus Christ is the perfect older brother. We are all like the younger brother to him. We've all messed up. We've all ran away from him. We are all very, very imperfect. However, when God saw our imperfection, instead of letting us run, he ran to us. See, our sins, our mistakes, they create a huge gap between us and the Father. God is perfect. So in order to be with him, we should have to be perfect, and we're not. We're all too sinful and fallen. But then Jesus came. Jesus was the good older brother who ran after us and he paid our penalty. He bridged the gap between the perfect God and the imperfect us. And he did that simply because he loves us. He had nothing to gain from doing it except showing us love. There's a perfect illustration for what God did for us. I want you all to imagine you're on trial. Imagine you're in a courtroom. Let's say you're on trial for murder. You look up at the judge and he knows that you're guilty and you know that you're guilty. You're very, very guilty. You did it. The evidence is not in your favor. The judge looks at you and says, you are guilty. You deserve either a life in prison or the death penalty. However, I'm going to pay that penalty for you. And then the judge gets off his throne. He gets off his seat. He comes down and he says, handcuff me. He takes our penalty. He takes our pain. He takes our punishment so that we do not have to. So as God walks away in handcuffs, we are set free even though we did the crime. And that's what Jesus did. He came to this earth. He lived an absolutely perfect life. He made no mistakes. He's the only person in history who is worthy enough to be with God. He's the only person not guilty. However, he paid for our mistakes. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life and he died a death for us. He took our pain, our penalty, and our sins away. Not only, though, did he die for our sins, he also came back to life. And when Jesus rose from the grave, when Jesus came back, he defeated sin, death, hell, and the grave once for all. He defeated death and sin. He took our punishment so we do not have to. And all you have to do tonight is look at Jesus, look at his sacrifice and say, thank you. He cannot force you to accept his payment. You must say, yes, Jesus, I love you. Please forgive me. Thank you for paying my price. And then we get to spend eternity with him. Free from our sin, he makes us white as snow. He takes our handcuffs away and he lets us go free. I said at the beginning that I do not think that anyone is here by accident. I believe that with every ounce of my being that every one of you are here for a reason and that God does not make mistakes and you are not a mistake. You are here because of a reason. You are at you and I because of a reason. I think some of you are like the younger brother. You've been running from Jesus. And Jesus is looking at you and he's begging you, come home. Or maybe he's saying, come to me for the very first time. I promise you it's worth it. He wants you to change your life and to be with God. He's telling you that you do not have to have some fancy speech. You do not have to clean everything up first. He loves you while you're rolling around with the pigs. He just wants you to come home. There's a quote from a man who lived a long time ago, and his name is Brother Lawrence, and I want to read it to you tonight. If you're in this place and you've been running from God, 
You might be wondering, what's gonna happen if I decide to go back to him? Or if I decide to go to him for the first time? If you decide to go to our king in heaven, Brother Lawrence says this is going to happen. The king, full of mercy and goodness, very far from chastising me, embraces me with love, makes me eat at his table. He serves me with his own hands, gives me the key of his treasures. He converses and delights himself with me incessantly in a thousand and a thousand ways and treats me in all respects as his favorite. You are all God's favorite. You are all God's favorite. Maybe you were not the favorite child growing up. Maybe your older or younger brother or sister got more treatment than you. That's not how it is in the kingdom of God. You're God's favorite child. He's not mad at you at all. Younger brothers, he just wants you to come home. Others of us are like the older brother. We go to church, we are very religious, we do the right things, but inside we are still unfulfilled. And that's probably because we're doing it all for the wrong reasons. The father also runs after you and he says, my son, my daughter, you do not have to. And if I'm honest, you simply cannot earn my, my love. However, I love you so much that I'm gonna give it to you anyways. For those of you who feel like you might relate to the older brother, God is telling you to stop performing. Stop being prideful. Stop trying to just be the good church kid and instead just be with me. Just come inside the party. It's time to celebrate. And I get it. That's my story. And I promise you, if you will go all in with Jesus and you'll stop being half in, half out, if you will dive all in, it'll be the best decision you ever make. You all stand with me. We all have an older brother who paid the price for our sin. As Romans 3.23 says, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all guilty. But the Bible goes on to say in Romans 8.1 that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then in Romans 8.38 through 39, it says that if you believe in Jesus, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. So although we've all sinned and fallen short, Jesus paid our penalty so we are set free to run with God and enjoy his love forever. And all you have to do tonight is run to him. I want you guys to picture this. Get this image. I think you're all like in a dirt road and you're at a crossroads. You can go left or you can go right. What will the 2020, 2021 school year look like? Am I just gonna be sad and wallow in my isolation and be lonely and give in to some sin issues and just try to run after what makes me feel pleasure in the moment but does not fulfill me? Or are we gonna go to this other path where we say, I'm gonna spend my four years in college, I'm gonna spend the 2020, 2021 school year running after King Jesus. I'm going to try that route because I've tried this route and I've tried this route and I promise you it will not work. I promise you that if you take the wrong crossroad here, you're gonna be done with your college time and you're going to regret it. But instead, my friends, we have the opportunity to look back at our time in college and have made a difference for the kingdom of God. We have an opportunity to help the 10,000 students at the University of Northern Iowa who do not know the name of Jesus come to know him. You have the opportunity to find for maybe the first time fulfillment and satisfaction in this life. You have an opportunity to let God fill the God-sized hole inside of you.
I promise you, if you look to our king and say, your wish is my command, and if you commit your time in college to be a time of running after Jesus instead of running away from Jesus, and to push past the awkwardness of six feet away and masks and all these things we have to do and trying to check you in and get your name and number and all the crazy things we had to do. Some of you are running in halfway through because we took too long. But if you promise to not let that get in the way, but instead you're going to run after Jesus, you're going to get to know him better and you're going to enjoy his grace while also striving to be more like him. If you do this, I promise you, you will not regret it. If you do this, you'll be a few years graduated from here at you and I. You're going to look back in your time in college and say, I'm so thankful that I got plugged into a Christian community. I'm so thankful that I didn't start partying every weekend and start living after my fleshly desires. I'm so thankful that I found a family of people that love me just the way that I am and just want to be your friends and want to help you get closer to Jesus. I'm so thankful that I found Chi Alpha at the chicken party. I'm so thankful that that creepy older student drugged me to this service where I had to sit away from them. I'm so thankful that I decided to do more with my life and my time in college than I had originally planned. And I promise you, if you do that, you're going to look back and be so content and so happy. And you're going to look at your time in college with gratefulness inside your heart that God chose to use a messed up person like you or me to change the world. If you are here for the first time, something we like to do at Kyle is we like to respond. We like to do an outward sign to show to God what's going on inside the inside. And I think sometimes we have all these thoughts and feelings in our heart, but then we don't do anything about it. So then we kind of forget about it two days later. But we're gonna do something a little different. So if you would close your eyes and bow your head so no one's looking around. And if you think that you kind of relate with that younger brother and you've been running from God, tonight is your night to change that. Tonight is your night to turn around and just look towards God so he can run after you. And if that is you tonight and you feel like you've been running, tonight is the night to come home. And I'm gonna give you the opportunity to do just that. So what I'm going to do is I'm gonna count to three. And when I get to three, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand if you feel like you've been the younger brother. And we don't do this just so we can see who's all raising their hands. That's why no one looks around. We don't do that for any of that instead to give you an opportunity to say, God, yes, I'm gonna be outward and I'm gonna turn around to you. I'm gonna raise my hand because I'm coming home. So that's you on the count of three. No one's looking around. I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Yes, Jesus, thank you. Yes, Jesus, there's... Tons of hands going up. Thank you. You can put your hand down. I'm going to pray for you. Jesus, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you that you loved us in our darkest place. You loved us while we're at the pigs, God. I pray that these students who just raised their hand, that they will run after you, Father, and that they will not regret it. I thank you that they're into our kingdom. They're into our community. They're into our family, God. We love you so much. Amen. If you guys would keep your eyes closed. There's one more question I want to ask you. I think there are some of you tonight that might not relate with the younger brother. Maybe you did relate with the younger brother, but you also relate with the older brother. Maybe you've been following God, but it hasn't been for the right reasons. Or maybe you've been developing a pride in your morality and a pride in your good deeds. And God also wants you to turn back to him tonight. It's just like the end of that story. God is coming out of the party and saying, will you come back in? And the story ends and it's up to you to make the decision of what you're going to do tonight. 
So we're gonna do the same thing. If you relate with the older brother on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand for the same reason so you can make an outward sign to God and say, I'm coming home. I'm sorry, I've been prideful. I'm sorry, it's all about obedience instead of about love with you. So if that's you on the count of three, please raise your hand. One, two, three. Yes, Jesus, we thank you so much, Father. Yes, Jesus. If you'll put your hand down, I'm gonna pray for you guys as well. Jesus, we love you so much. Jesus, we love you so much. God, I thank you. God, I thank you that you loved us enough to come out to us, to leave your party to come to us, Jesus. I pray that we never become prideful in our good deeds, but instead we love you and we come after you simply because you're good. Jesus, I pray for this community. I pray for Chi Alpha in 2020, 2021 to be the most kingdom-minded, the biggest world changers, and the best class and the best school year we've ever seen at the University of Northern Iowa. I pray that you do more with this group of students than you've done with any group of students in the past. God, I pray that you change our campus forever because of this year, God. I pray that we do not let COVID-19 get in the way. I pray that we do not let social distancing, we don't let the mask, we don't let any of the outside distractions of racial injustice or hate or any of these things get in the way of pursuing you, Father, that we will look to you and you alone. God, I pray that we are gonna run after you this year, Jesus. We love you so much, Jesus, in your precious name, amen. Amen.